This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hi, I'm John McEnroe, and you're listening to the Tennis Podcast. Hi, my name is Grigor Dimitrov, and you're listening to Tennis Podcast. Hi, I'm Mats Villander, and you are listening to the Tennis Podcast. Well, hello and welcome to the Tennis Podcast. It is day two of the Australian Open. We are nearly, Catherine Whitaker through the first round, and it has been pretty exciting so far, hasn't it? It's, it's been sensationally exciting. I, I think I saw pretty much the most exciting set of tennis I've, I've ever witnessed live yesterday. Oh, was that when I was playing? <laughs> no, it was not. Uh, it was when Thanasi Kokonakis was playing uh, the Australian flag bearer he seems to have sort of ripped that flag from Nick Kyrgios's even though Nick Kyrgios won in five sets yesterday as well somehow that was uh, eclipsed by uh, one Thanasi Kokonakis what's with his dress sense did you see what he got on I had to wear my sunglasses to watch him luminous yellow pink orange I went and got one afterwards obviously the youth can can uh, get away with that sort of thing though David can't they what are you saying about me I'm saying if you're if you're 19 and you've got a tan you're, you're in safe territory. I, I'm not saying anything about your appearance. I'm just saying... So 41 and pale white doesn't... You're translucent, as Andy Roddick once called you. Yeah. <laughs> who, have we, who have we got on the show today, Catherine? Uh, you always get me to do the introductions. We've got Leon Smith on the show today, aren't we? Hello, Leon. Hello there. How are you doing? Uh, pretty good. Seen some good things, some all right things, so generally speaking, pretty good. And today you have obviously had a lot of British players to watch. The good news is that they were in the main draw. Carl Edmund fighting his way through the qualifying rounds for the first time to reach a Grand Slam tournament. James Ward in a Grand Slam tournament on his ranking. Those are good things. The results didn't go their way today. But what was your assessment of what you saw? Yeah, it always feels disappointing when, when the guys lose. Um, but you take a step back and when I look over the last three, four, five years, I've been doing the sort of Davis Cup role where you go to the slams, you watch the players, and there's not been many players to watch. Um, so it's been actually really positive this this time around in Australia to see, you know, Liam Brodie made last round of qualies and, and has made some significant improvements in his game. He's very hungry, he's got a lot of desire, so I, I think we'll see more from him. Uh, it was great seeing Kyle uh, navigate his way through qualifying. You know, people said that the, the draw was, was kind, but you still got to win those matches, um, plus as a new experience. Plus, it was good having a match against an Aussie on a fairly big court um, when he played Propodgia. 
uh, and to come through 9-7 a third, that was a big, big plus. Um, and then with James Ward sneaking in, obviously, to the, the main draw um, on ranking is a, is a good feeling for him. And he showed today against Verdasco a little bit similar to what we saw against Robredo in Paris, actually. Similar sort of level. He really put it out there on the court today. And he's been doing that for a, a, a quite a sustained period of time now. I think he's going to have a very, very good year. I think he's in a good place mentally, emotionally. I think he's, a, he's very professional now. His game is looking good. I think if you watch today, he's... he's top 50 potential he's been knocking on the door of the top 100 for a while and he's frankly been in the the 100 to 150 and the 150 to 200 for years he's been around that area his perseverance has been impressive to me that he keeps coming back for more but he does look like a different player now the, the tennis he put up in the first set was the best I've seen him play when it's 6-2 against a guy who's been to the semi-finals here yeah, I mean, it was fantastic tennis. Um, and it would have been very interesting had he taken the third set. Uh, he had chances, you know, led by a break and then also had a mini break in the, in the tie break. So um, I think one of the things he would attribute to, it's got to come from himself, number one. Uh, but what he's done is made some investments. He doesn't make a huge amount of money yet. Um, but what he has done with the money that comes in is invested in a, in a very, very good coach in Darren Tandy, who I think is terrific for him. Uh, his track record of, of taking players who were maybe not maximising their potential is very good. He did a great job with Ebden um, and he also got Tursunov back into the top 40 when he was looking to maybe finish his career uh, over the last couple of years. So he's done a good job with players and, and he's showing, uh, he's been with James for about a year now and, and the ranking shows good progression. I think we'll see even more. Now, those are the two British players on the men's side. Heather Watson played today, and she had a good week last week, won the tournament in Hobart. Didn't happen for her today out there, but she looked a bit under the weather. She wasn't playing her very best or feeling her very best out there, but she's had a good start to the year. Yeah, I, mean, I didn't see the match because the, the boys were on. Uh, Judy Murray would have uh, watched it, so I'm sure I'll catch up with her later. But, you know, Heather would take herself away from this match today. She'll be disappointed. However, if you told her at the start of this year that you're going to pick up another WTA title. I think she would have been very pleased with that offer. So I think she can be pleased with the progress already. Um, I think also Diego, her coach, is doing a good job. I've heard a lot of good things about him, actually, uh, and the work that he's been doing. Um, so a good start to the year. A disappointing day, yes, of course, because you want things to happen in the slams. But she's a title for the better, and I think she'll move on very well. Now, you've been around for a while, Leon. You haven't got the sort of grey hair I've got, but you've been around for a bit, and... The players now, there seems to be a bit of an atmosphere within British tennis that, that is quite positive. There's the, the doubles players as well have had a, a good start to this year. If you compare it how it is now to how it has been, is this, is this notably different? Yeah, I mean, OK, so maybe we've been doing this for about five years now, the Davis Cup role, and when we started, we obviously had a relegation match going, could have taken us into the third tier of it. Um... We've been blessed with Andy Murray, obviously doing what he does. He's, he's been winning lots of things. We've been, I think, fortunate in some ways with Davis Cup because we, we were so low down that we were going to start winning. Uh, and winning helps. doesn't matter who you're playing against. A win is a win, and it feels good. So we managed to get some momentum going. Um, and through that time as well, we did have good, I think, results. Girls maximising their potential, what Bally was doing, what Annie Kay was doing. Um, and then, obviously, what Laura broke on scene and Toshigenja was doing very, very well. Heather. Uh, so there was, there was other things happening. But on the men's side, which does get a lot of the focus, um, out with Davis Cup, it was basically a story about Andy Murray. 
and it's just you know it doesn't matter how you write it there wasn't a British number two in the top 100 and that's not good enough um, doesn't matter yes we won some Davis Cup matches but that's that's a bonus the the real work is the tour and the players will want to get on the tour and that's the most important thing so what we're seeing now I think is better there's still a long way to go but I genuinely believe from what I've seen for a sustained period of time from James Ward that he will not just break top 100 which he will do very very soon but move on and aim for top 75 then top 50 and I think he's got the game to do that and the coach around him to do that um, what's also good to see which you're alluding to is guys like Kyle Edmund Liam Brody, young hungry um uh, professional and importantly got good games I mean I thought they, they stood up well in qualifying here they've had pretty good results over the last three to six months actually um, so I think they've just got to keep knuckling down they have to improve some parts of their game um, but from just hard work alone which they're putting in I think we'll see them rise significantly through the year can you give us an insight as to the impact that Andy Murray has had on this group? Because it seems that increasingly he's taken them under his wing. I know for a while he's had players come and train with him in Miami. He's had Kyle there. He's now had James Ward there as well. And it does appear that he he's mentoring them to some degree. Andy's, like all of us in British tennis, he's desperate to see more people on, on the tour. Um, you see even on his Twitter feeds, it's nice. When the boys do well, he'll always put something out. Um, when we have our Davis Cup matches in the round, he's brilliant with them, uh, on and off court. And as you say, he's embraced them throughout the year, training camps, training days, hits, practice sessions around the big tournaments. He, he, he's desperate to see these guys succeed, so long as they're working hard and are showing the commitment that he puts in. Um, if they don't, then he'll lose interest, which is right. Um, but what he's got is a group around him. And James Ward is working so hard. Liam's working hard. Kyle's working hard. So, of course, he wants them to do well. Uh, and he'll help them. Um, so, I think, you know, without Andy, we'd be in, a, obviously, a much poorer state. Um, and I think he will play a, a key role in helping these boys come through. We'll talk Davis Cup in a short while and, and what your job is like. And you've got that big tie against the United States coming up in March, of course. We'll also talk about what's going on here at the Australian Open because you're part of the Five Live commentary team. We'll uh, have coverage, in fact, of Andy Murray's second round match against uh, Marinko Matosovic. What do you know about him before we talk about everything else? Well, Andy's played him a couple of times, uh, obviously recently at the, the Hopman Cup. Uh, I've watched James Ward play him. He is a fun guy and a, a pretty unusual character. Uh, in terms of his tennis, you know, he's strong, he's powerful, he moves well, he hits the ball big. Um, so he will definitely cause Andy problems. I'm sure he'll try and be very aggressive against Andy because uh, that'll be his only way to really uh, have a chance. But um, So I think it'll be a good test for Andy, but I think Andy's variety, uh, coupled with being aggressive, more aggressive, um, will be too much for. He looks in pretty good nick, Andy, doesn't he? I mean, he, he's obviously had a year last year coming off back surgery. This year, you know, he seems as though he's he's back to his old self. Yeah, I, I think there's there's quite a lot that goes into it, and I'm not sure Andy got enough recognition for what he put in the last few months of uh, 2014. There's a lot talked about the way he was playing. Oh, he's playing too defensive. He's playing too far back. But he had to find a way to win first and foremost, um, so he did what he did best. He ran, he fought hard. I mean, those matches that he played at the tail end on the indoor circuit were brutal matches, but he came through them. Um, 
And guess what from Winnie? He starts to feel more confident, his body gets fitter, his body gets stronger, and he starts feeling good about himself. And OK, he had a blip uh, against Federer to the finals, but it was a pretty amazing few months. And I think off the back of that, we saw him go into his pre-season with a lot of confidence to go and make the improvements, having won a lot of matches. It feels better to then adjust your game and bring some things in, establish even further the relationship with Amelie Moresmo, which is obviously uh, working well. And I, I think we'll see Andy do really well this year. I think he's in a good place. I mean, emotionally, he looks very, very happy. He's clearly happy with his coaching setup. Um, so, yeah, I think he's in good shape. And ser his serve looks improved. I know he, he would have worked a lot of that in the, in the preseason, and he's spoken about that. And I think it was one of the first things he said when he came off court yesterday that he was pleased with how he served. So that will be a key part of his game this year as well. Just before I ask Catherine about how her predictions are going, and not very well is the answer, I have to say, and we will talk in detail about that. Leon, I just wanted to, to know, I mean, my, my suspicion is that at different stages of your maturity as a human being, in Andy's case, you need probably different things from a coach. He had Brad Gilbert, who taught him about the early years of life, and Mark Petschy, of course, as well, who got him on the tour. Then he had Ivan Lendl, who kind of got him over the hump and really gave him something a bit different I suspect he's at a level of maturity now where he doesn't quite need the same things that he might have done two years ago I think that's a very valid point David because he's he is at that stage now look he knows his game unbelievably well he's a, he's not unique unique because I'm sure there's many of them but he's very smart tactically you know you could go through any of the women's draws men's draws boys draws whatever and he'll be able to pick out the players and know their strengths and weaknesses he is a, he studies tennis um, so he, he doesn't need as much input, obviously, as he needed at the start of his career. And I think what it looks like with, with Amelie is he's got a, a trusting relationship. It was his choice, which is important. Um, and they seem to just have a balance of when to say something, when not to say something. He obviously feels that she's very approachable and a good listener, and that's important for Andy at this stage. Um, so yeah, I think he's. I think it looks like a, a very healthy balance of what he needs at this stage. Now looking at the rest of the draw, Catherine Whitaker, Rafael Nadal was a, a big part of our preview conversation, and there was only me, only me, who was saying that he was going to have a good run at the Australian Open. You and Gigi Salmon both wrote him off, didn't you? Well, he went and smashed Mikhail Yuzhny. Give me that microphone, David. No, round two is not a good run. That is my point number one. Good start. It's, it's a good start. It's a good start that another 64 people in the draw have made, and not all of those are going to make the final, David. So I'd, I'd pack that smug smile away just for the moment. Gigi did brave. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at UH1.com. This edition of the Tennis Podcast is sponsored by Tennis Channel, and Tennis Channel Plus is the place to watch the French Open. They've got every court live, and you can watch on your phone or your smart TV, both in HD. Matt, this sounds like your kind of thing. Yeah, there's nothing I like more than watching multiple courts with matches everywhere, dipping in to where there's the latest final set tiebreak or even the latest bit of aggro. And David, don't worry, you can just watch your favourite court, Suzanne Longlen, all day if you want. But whatever you choose, the French Open promises unforgettable moments and new chapters in tennis history. Do you know, I think in a lot of ways, the French Open is now my favourite slam. It's the strategy of the clay court tennis, the way it challenges players, and particularly now with legends of the game up against a new generation of young players. I cannot wait. Be there when it happens with daily live coverage beginning on Monday, May the 20th. Subscribe to Tennis Channel Plus to stream daily coverage of Roland Garros. Use promo code TENNISPOD20 for 20% off your annual subscription. Hopefully uh, predict that Rafa would lose in the first round. Rafa is one thing to call it. I predicted that he would uh, encounter... I, do not, I do, don't think he's going to go deep into the second week. But I didn't predict he would lose in the first round. I'd say he looked—he looked—he looked a bit better than I thought he would. But that I haven't changed my mind. It hasn't changed my mind on him. Stubborn. St- st- stubborn and and potentially right. Or potentially wrong. Uh, but uh, what about you, Leon? You saw uh, a little bit of Rafael Nadal last night and. It's, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because he's had a rough six months physically. He hasn't had the sort of results he would be used to. But Grand Slams are different, aren't they? Yeah, he's a lot more difficult to beat over five because uh, he backs himself. Um, I think he has the presence and the aura over the other players, especially in the early rounds, to then allow him to pick up some momentum and confidence again from winning. It was interesting. I watched uh, Andy practice with uh, Rafa before the tournament started on, on the Lever Arena closed the roof because it was raining that day and you kind of looked at the he is a bit out of sorts I mean Andy practiced and then beat him quite easily in a set not that that means anything but we saw it in Abu Dhabi as well and he thought really wasn't sure and there's a lot of people talking about Eugene was going to cause him problems but he's obviously put in the work you know uh, over the last four or five days to hit a lot of balls feel the feel the ball well feel the rhythm good get through the first couple of rounds and he plays Smicek next which is a pretty good matchup for him as well. He's more of a counter puncher, um, so he's going to get long rallies and he'll start feeling the ball even better again. So I think by that time he's going to, you know, once he gets towards the end of this week, yeah, he'll be a different player again. Well, Catherine has got uh, Rafael Nadal going out to. Who is it? Who's he going to lose to? I didn't. I didn't actually make a specific prediction. Who would he face round four? Yeah, I don't know that. But you've got uh, Roger Federer going all the way to the final, haven't you? I've got him going all the way to the trophy, David. Wow, well, there you go. What do you think, Leon? That's a really packed half of the draw, isn't it? Because potentially you could have Andy against Dimitrov in the fourth round. If he got through that, he could play Federer, I believe, in the quarterfinals. Then the winner of that may be against Nadal. I mean, obviously on paper, 
we're all, it's all speculation, isn't it? I, I noticed, uh, I remember we were talking about how Andy had that awful looking draw at Wimbledon the year he won it, and then suddenly a few players lost and it looked a little easier, although he obviously started to go all the way to the trophy. But how do you see things panning out this next uh, couple of weeks? Well, I mean, in that part of the draw, uh, you've summed it up well. I mean, it's, it is a packed part of the draw. But as you say, things can change. It could be upsets, um, especially at the start of the year. We see upsets happening in the events. So we'll see how the next couple of rounds go. But uh, I think, I mean, Roger, we watched last night. He looked impressive. I mean, he looked like he was moving well, which is important to him. He always talks about that. If he's moving well, he'll play well. Um, he was aggressive. I mean, he came forwards literally on everything that he could do. But... I have a feeling with Andy, it might just be my, my heart talking, I hope it's more than that, but I think he's looking very, very good, and I think as he moves into this tournament and moves through the early rounds, I think he's going to be in a, a very, very difficult player to beat, because it looks like he's getting back the serving, which uh, served him so well when he did win Wimbledon, and also the ability just to step on the ball a bit earlier uh, and take time away from the opponent, and if he gets that balance right with his variety, we know his defensive skills... I think he's going to be difficult to beat. You did the match with us last night on Roger Federer. Some of the stuff he was coming up with was ridiculous, wasn't it? It was fun stuff. I mean, it almost felt a little bit like a, an exhibition match, and that's a little bit unfair on Yen Sun Lu, who certainly tried uh, with great effort uh, to make it a match. Um, but right from the first game, Roger was, was taking the ball early. He was chip-charging on second serve returns. You know, we saw... Not so much serve volley, but he threw in a couple of times. But on his forehand, I mean, he was hitting up the line, coming in. He, he really looked like he was setting out a, a statement of intent. Is, this is how I'm going to play it right from the start, because I need to hone it in now. Because if I am going to win this event, I'm going to have to do it this way. Um, and I think it was a pretty strong statement he sent out. Tomorrow night on Five Live Sports Extra, we'll be starting with tennis breakfast at 7 o'clock in the morning, British time. And then we'll have Rafael Nadal's match in the evening session. I think you're joining us for that, aren't you, Liam? I'll be there. Yeah, looking forward to it. Fantastic. We'll see that as well. Andy Murray before that, second up on the Margaret Court Arena. So that's the middle of the night back home. So turn on Five Live for Up All Night and we'll bring you live commentary of Andy Murray against Marinko Matosovic. Victoria Azarenka, Catherine Whittaker, just as I said defeated Sloane Stephens in straight sets and will now face Caroline Wozniacki. She will, yeah. And uh, what a mouth-watering prospect that is. Yeah, because I've said my surprise package for the tournament is Victoria Azarenka, that she's going to go deep and she's going to beat Caroline Wozniacki, which is my upset. There's nothing as surprising as a two-time former champion doing well, is there? Nothing quite surprising. Hey, just going back to an earlier point of just re-examine the draw... And uh, never want to dodge the opportunity to nail my colours to the mast, predictions-wise. I'm gonna. I think Rafa will lose in the quarters to Thomas Burditch. That's what I think is happening. No, he won't. Uh, anyway, we will see what happens. I mean, that's possible, isn't it? Because of course, Thomas Burditch has got a big game. He's been to the semi-finals here, and he's now working with Danny Valverde, who knows his way around a tennis court. Yeah, that would be a, a fascinating encounter if it turned out to be. Berdich versus Murray in the semi-finals with the opposing coaching teams. <laughs> Crikey, yeah. Yeah. That would be interesting. Now, a couple of questions just from our listeners before we go. Uh, Ian Fordis says to Leon, how difficult is it to pick a Davis Cup team, especially at the moment when there are a lot of players playing so well? Uh, the, the key thing is to spend enough time with the players in the lead-up, uh, the sort of 
four, five, six weeks before a tie and, and really get to know who's feeling confident, you know, who's in physically good shape. Uh, and you only get that by watching them play and watching their movement because everyone wants to play. Um, but in the past, I have to say, maybe the options were more limited because we didn't have a huge playing pool uh, to go from. You know, if I speak openly, honestly, this tie, you know, it's not going to be rocket science to know that Andy Murray uh, goes on the list and then James Ward is, is, is obviously the clear number two. So it, it's actually not as difficult. Where it becomes difficult is when you start making up the four and you start thinking about, OK, uh, depending on your opposition, this time the States, you're playing against the Bryans in the doubles. OK, how do you feel about that rubber? Who are you going to put out that's going to give you the best chance of winning that? Um, is it the two doubles players? Is it Andy plus one? Okay, who's he best playing with? Who's the informed doubles player? Uh, oh, okay, then you have to think about, well, what would happen if Ward and Murray got injured on day one? You can't rely on one of the doubles players to go out and play against the USA number two, which is a good match for us to try and focus on, on the final rubber. So you have to start thinking about the makeup of the team and just uh, hedge your bets on where you think you're most likely to get three rubbers from. I'm glad you're doing that job and not me. Uh, on that subject, Laurie Mack123 says, as one of our top doubles players, uh, does Jamie Murray stand a chance? Because he's playing well at the moment, isn't he? Absolutely stands a chance. I mean, he's been playing great. I went to watch his final in Brisbane uh, last weekend, and I thought he played brilliantly against Nishikori and Dolgopolov. He's got a stable partner now in John Pierce. I'm delighted that they... It's important for the doubles teams to stay together, you know, through a bit of thick and thin, and they've done that this now, and I, I think they're a strong pair. And Jamie... Is in, a, is in a really good place, very committed and, and playing well, serving well. We know he volleys as well as anybody. Um, so, he, yeah, he's absolutely got a shot. And Yellow Duck 76, fantastic names these people have got. I wonder if that's his real name. Imagine going around calling yourself Yellow Duck. The, the team looks so happy together at the moment. In terms of man management, I mean, between now and that Davis Cup team, what happens? When do you get them together and what, what do you do? I mean, the, the process has started for a number of years now. So you build a team spirit. Uh, winning, like I said earlier, helps. That everyone feels better coming into a winning team. doesn't matter who you beat. Um, and we, we do things in the week to make it fun for the players. Um, I think a lot of it in the lead-up now, let's say six or eight weeks, whenever it is, is to spend time with them. They value that. They value me coming out to see them playing. You know, we have team dinners in the evening. I go to the practice sessions and watch the matches. I spend time not just with the player, but with their coaches. It's also important. Um, so I'll definitely be spending time with Amelie, for example, to make sure I use the same language on the court, whether it's a practice court or on the chair with Andy that he's used to being hearing and is working well for him. Um, but just spending time and then we get them together, typically the Saturday or the Sunday before the tie. Um, They'll play, most of the players will play like Dubai the week beforehand or whatever else they're playing. I know Andy and, and, and James will be thinking about doing that. Maybe the doubles players as well. <clears throat> we get them together for, for from the Saturday, Sunday. Um, we do some team stuff together, like go and take in a football match um, with my uh, with my team, which I won't say what it is, but it's in Glasgow. What's your team? I can't say because it's in Glasgow and it's very split, that city. Um, but and and then we just we just get the practice going and we do team games in the evening. I mean, Andy obviously loves uh, game articulate the word game and we seem to play that all the time. James Ward doesn't like that one. Uh, Anything to do with the result? Yeah, I mean he's never winning in that one, <laughs> never. Um, but you got smart guys that call him Fleming as well, so it's, it gets quite competitive, I have to say. But uh, no, we we always have a really good week and and the players love it. Um, 
Andy, like everyone else, has a great wake. I have a brilliant bunch of coaching team. I take quite a lot of coaches with us. And again, the reason is because I know the players like being around certain individuals and I've got no ego to say it has to all be about me doing the coaching. I'm not bothered as long as the team's happy, we've got a good shot of winning. Um, and the more people that I can have involved in that, the better, I think. What's it like locking horns with Jim Curry? Because I've always been a bit afraid of Jim Curry. He's a bit scary, you know. He wanders around with that suit. He looks like, you know, he looks pretty cool, like a bit of a Jose Mourinho. I do know him a little bit, so he's slightly exploded the myth, so I'm not quite scared of him anymore. But this guy used to run up hills with tyres tied behind his back. That's how tough he is. You know, you beat him pretty handily in America, didn't you? It was a sweet victory, yeah. But it's, str it's strange for me because I wasn't a former uh, player. You know, I'm just a bang average Scottish player that um, ended up getting a, a career out of coaching and, and through one way or the other, found myself, still not sure how, but found myself in this job. And uh, so you're sitting, you know, sat in the chair across from uh, Milislav Maciej and Jim Curry and I'm kind of thinking, what on earth has happened here? How am I, how, how am I in this situation? But... It's like anything else. It's coaching, and it's I'm not playing, uh, so it's down to about how you organise the team and do your planning. And, and I mentioned Jose Mourinho, and of course he wasn't a top player. But I, I suppose the point is you don't necessarily have to have been a top player to be a good manager or a coach. Yeah, I think it, I mean it's not that it helps. I mean, look at the end of the day, if I if I'd played better, I certainly would have added to to what I could do. Um, but I didn't. So you go around things the other way. I looked up to. A lot of people who have been in similar situations, you just you, you end up maybe doing a bit more of the other stuff that can help uh, rather than just relying on what you can do with your racket. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, I think it helps if you've played to a high level for sure. It gives you a better insight. But um, I enjoy locking horns with them. It's good fun. And, and as long as you surround yourself with other team, team uh, members, the coaching staff and backroom staff, it can help you along the way as well, and it all helps. Uh, final question to you, Leon, before we all head off. Who do you think they're going to pick? Well, certainly John Isner will play. Certainly the Bryans will play, so that's that easily done. Their second one's an interesting one. It'll be obviously between Query and Johnson, I would have thought. I don't think they would play young. Uh, Jack Sox injured. Um, I think they'll go Query again. It's going to be interesting, isn't it? Johnson certainly did well today, but it is something to look forward to. Leon, it's been a great pleasure having you with us on the Tennis Podcast. Thanks for having us. Good fun. Thank and you. Just before we go, Catherine Whittaker will let you just take the credit for your one prediction that somehow came correct. Go on, tell us what it was. I've actually got, I've actually got two, haven't I? Well, I predict my surprise package was Tanasi Kokonakis, so... Let's all bask in the glory of that for a moment. <laughs> and uh, I had a successful prediction on the women's side as well. Sabina Lisicki. You know, I have so many these days that I'm losing track of them. I did, yeah. I predicted Sabine Lisicki would lose yesterday, and Julie, she did. Well, so. That's enough of that. Uh, Catherine, good to speak to you. And have a good rest of your day. Uh, thank you all for listening. We'll speak to you soon. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com <laughs> <laughs> 